Welcome to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio, your source for learning more about fly fishing in cold water, warm water, and salt water. Hello, I'm Roger Maves. And I'm Don Bishop. We're your hosts for Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. On this broadcast, we'll be featuring Pudge Kleinkoff, Lorianne Murphy, and Diana Rudolph, and they'll be answering your most important questions regarding women in fly fishing. We're broadcasting live over the Internet as well as on a teleconference call. The link for our online broadcast is available on the home page of our website, www.askaboutflyfishing.com. Just click the red text that says, Listen to the Broadcast. The call-in phone number for our teleconference call is 712-580-6300, and the passcode is 511-739-POUND. That's 712-580-6300, passcode 511-739-POUND. This show will be approximately 90 minutes in length, and during the first hour we will be asking our panel of women the questions you have sent in over the Internet. And during the last 30 minutes, we will field your questions live over the Internet and on our teleconference call. If you are listening to our Internet broadcast and would like to ask a question of any of the ladies, just go to our homepage on www.askaboutflyfishing.com and click on the link below the description of the show that says, Click here to ask the ladies your most important question. And then we'll get those questions online, and we'll be able to field those immediately. For those of you on our teleconference call, just wait until we open up our phone lines, and then you can ask your question live. This broadcast is being recorded and will be available for playback on our website about one hour after the call ends. So if you have to leave early, you can return to our website at your convenience and listen to the broadcast anytime. The content of this broadcast is copyrighted in the property of the Knowledge Group, Inc., doing business as Ask About Fly Fishing. Recordings or transcriptions of this program cannot be distributed or sold in any form. When we return, we'll be learning about our panel of lady fly fishers and how they achieve their current status. Once in a generation, an innovation comes along that turns an industry on its head. In fly fishing, this is without a doubt the AST generation. AST, Advanced Shooting Technology, is Scientific Angler's patented dry-slip coating that enhances every aspect of floating line performance. Shootability, castability, floatability, durability. Look for AST in Scientific Angler's Mastery Series and Ultra 4 fly lines. And please remember, try an AST formulated line just once and no other fly line will ever do. Visit www.scientificanglers.com or 800-430-5000. That's 800-430-5000 to find your nearest Mastery Series dealer. Before we introduce our guests, I'd like to let you know about the very nice gifts we have for tonight's drawing. Pudge Kleinkoff has been kind enough to provide for our drawing not one but two autographed copies of her book, Fly Fishing Women Explore Alaska. Pudge's book is a unique combination in a gift book format of how-to fly fishing techniques, including an illustrated section focused on her favorite flies. She has stories about the women who learned to fish and numerous photographs of some of her awesome fishing destinations and unique fish species. If you've not registered yet for the drawing, you can do so now. Go to the home page, www.flyfishing.com, and look for the link under the show section that says register for drawing. Click on that link and fill out the form. We'll be announcing the winners at the end of the show. You know, Don, it's been a really busy time of year. This week is National Fishing and Boating Week in the U.S., and 
which is an annual celebration designed to increase public awareness and the joys of recreational fishing and conservation of our fisheries. And many states even offer free fishing days, which means you don't need a license to fish, in the hope that that will encourage those that are interested to give it a try. Well, that's true, Roger. It is busy, and I'll tell you, we had a busy time when we were up in Boulder, Colorado, for the first U.S. National Fly Fishing Championship. Man, uh, that was a very exciting deal. Uh, for those of you out there who are not familiar with this event, it was a qualifying competition to select the best fly fishers in America to be part of Team USA, and they will represent the U.S. at the World Fly Fishing Champion this September in Portugal. Uh, we conducted several interviews during the competition, uh, including two different interviews with Jack Dennis, who's the coach of Team USA. We also talked with steering committee members, beat controllers, and competitors, and let me tell you, we learned a bunch. We also saw a lot of superb fly fishing. And by the way, the fly tire selected for Team USA is a lady, Dr. Leslie Rickson, a clinical psychologist and self-taught fly tire from Massachusetts. Uh, you can find her interview on our uh, uh, interview page. You simply go to the interview page by the, going to the website, askaboutflyfishing.com, and on the home page, click on the link that says Listen to Jack Dennis and Others, and that will take you right to the page for all the interviews. We have three incredible women on our panel tonight. Pudge Kleinkoff calls Anchorage, Alaska home, but her guide service of 20 years, women's fly fishing, covers the entire state, and she offers fly fishing schools in various locations. Mexico and this year Swedish Lapland are among her legendary guided saltwater destinations. She caught the winning sailfish in the 2005 Sails and Tails Fly Fishing Tournament in Zuataneo, Mexico. Her first book, Fly Fishing Women Explore Alaska, is soon to be followed by River Girls Fly Fishing for Young Women. All this after earning a law degree. Lorianne Murphy co-founded Real Women in 1992 the first company to offer women-only fly fishing trips all over the world. Since then, her legend has grown to include float trips, guide schools, casting clinics, and destination trips. And she won the Best of the West International Sportsman's Expo fly casting competition in 2003. Her home waters are in eastern Idaho, southwest Montana, and western Wyoming near Jackson Hole. Not bad country at all. She even consulted in the making of the movie The River Wild. Diana Rudolph is carving out an impressive niche in the competitive fly fishing world. She recently added another IGFA fly rod record on bonefish, and she will soon be defending her title in the Hawley Invitational Tarpon Tournament in Florida. A native of Illinois, Diana had the good fortune to spend significant time in the Florida Keys during her youth, and she now works at Florida Keys Outfitters in Isla Mirada, Florida. Her focus and intensity on the tournament trail are the stuff of legends. We'd like to give a warm welcome to Pudge, Lorianne, and Diana. Good evening, ladies. Hi there. We got everybody there? Everyone's here. Yep. Uh, hi, ladies. It's, it's Don here. Diana, could you just give us a brief rundown of how you got into fly fishing and how it got you to this point uh, in your life? I began fishing at a very, very young age. My folks had always had a home uh, in the Keys, so I started with conventional tackle, spinning rods when I, you know, when I was very, very young, and I think the natural progression was just into fly fishing. Um, I think I started fly fishing around the age of 16. My father sort of began showing me how to cast, and, and I, I kind of began in saltwater, which is usually sort of 
the opposite of what people mm-hmm. people typically do, and I just kind of fell in love with it. I didn't really get too serious about it, you know, until I graduated from college and and I had more time, and then I became very very passionate and sort of uh, changed my life, my lifestyle, so that it was, you know, fly fishing was sort of a very integral part of it, my life. And you're involved in the competitions now, and you're also uh, working at, at the Outfitters there. How did you come by that position? Um, I actually was up in Chicago uh, after my father passed away, and I got a part-time job in a fly shop and worked there for a year or so and decided that, you know, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the people that I had met in the shop, and I figured if I was going to work in a fly shop, I might as well work in a place where I actually had fishing year-round, and so I moved back down to the Keys and started working for Sandy. All right. So, Ann, how did you evolve to your current status? Oh, the whole fly fishing <laughs> lifestyle. Well, I, I actually, like Diana, grew up fishing. I'm the oldest of seven children, and I think we're five and a half years apart. They're two sets of twins, and so my parents just found it really easy to line us up on a bank in the Sierra country of California. And then it wasn't until I was a nurse in Seattle in my 20s that some physician friends of mine said, let's go down to the Deschutes and uh, fly fish for steelhead, and that was it for me. (laughs) And um, so I traded in my car for a truck, moved out to Jackson Hole to be director of public health, walked in my office and said, I can't do this anymore, (laughs) and ended up um, starting a little home health agency for the Idaho side in Driggs and told them I would take the summers off to fish. And, and I didn't know if I wanted to guide. Uh, I just wanted to check it out. It's, it was definitely a decision if you're going to mix your passion with work. But I'm really glad I decided to do that because it's been pretty darn wonderful. And um, started Real Women in 1992. And it's just been... You know, I think I think the word is lifestyle. It's just provided a fabulous lifestyle, wonderful friendships. It's just it's just been a great big adventure, and it just keeps going on and on. Yeah, that's great. And we can sure tell from the emailed questions that have come in in advance of the show that you've touched a lot of lives. Believe me. Oh, hi. Right. How about you? Uh, well, I started. Actually, I didn't fish as a, as a child. My parents were from uh, Chicago, and were city people and so we didn't do much of the kind of outdoor things as I wish now we would have. So it wasn't until uh, my ex-husband and I moved to Alaska in 1969 that I really began to fish and then uh, about that time my son took up fly fishing and when we would go fishing he always seemed to catch more fish and so I decided that I'd better learn how to fly fish so that I could catch more fish and it was a little while until I did that, a couple years, but then I realized that fly fishing was much more interesting and challenging. Uh, and then soon after I began fly fishing, women would stop me on the rivers when we'd be salmon fishing and say, you know, how did you learn to fish with a fly rod? Or, um, you know, do you know anyone who teaches that? Or uh, pretty soon they started saying, you know, do you teach uh, fly fishing? And um, actually I had started then already giving some lessons. And um, so that actually how uh, my company women's fly fishing created and um, so at the beginning of course I didn't do nearly the number of trips that I do now all around the state and to other other places as well well uh, Pudge while, while we've got you handy 
give us just a a bit of a sense of what your life is like currently. How how are you occupied over the course, say, of several days or a week? Well, for me, of course, it depends on the week. I mean, I don't I don't have you know like an everyday guide service um, as does Lorianne, and so my life is more built around small group trips that that last for several days and they can be pretty much one right after the other throughout the summer so you know one week i might be fishing out of nome and the next week in bristol bay and perhaps the week after somewhere near uh, kodiak island so that goes on uh, all summer in the winter I do some shows outside. I write, and uh, I do um, I do like a school in uh, fly fishing school in uh, North Carolina for the John Campbell Folk School. So my typical weeks in the summer are not really like my typical weeks in the winter at all. Okay, uh, remind us of your your website and uh, contact information. Uh, our website is www.womensflyfishing.net. Okay, and is there a phone number they can reach you? If, uh... Yes, people can reach me. I'm in the Anchorage telephone book. It's area code 907-274-7113, and my email is pudge at womensflyfishing.net. Great. Okay. Lorianne, uh, you're not getting rained out up there in Idaho right now, are you? Well, I'm in Montana right now, and yeah, but uh, we di- we just got in. We just got off the river from the we were on the Missouri River today, uh-huh. up by has Helena. A, really. Has this been a pretty typical week for you? Could you describe it for us? Well, this is we just finished two guide schools on the Henry's Fork, which were fabulous. We had a women's guide school, and uh, that consisted of women from 25 all the way up to 70. And um, it doesn't the guide schools aren't about necessarily. If you want to become a guide, it definitely helps you with that. It also is a fly fishing intensive. We bring in great um, instructors like Jay Buckner, and he goes over the entomology and, and whatnot. He's very involved in the U.S. fly fishing team right. thing right now. So, And then the second week was co-ed, and we had a couple of young 20-year-old guys all the way up to 65-year-old men, and it was just really satisfying. So we just finished um, two weeks of that. We had a salmon fly hatch. It was fun. Now I'm back home in Montana and we have high water here, and so the guide season isn't going to really get going right now. We are on a tailwater, the Missouri, so that was clear. But everything else is it's flooding. <laughs> we have big water this year, which is the good news for all summer. So we're gearing up, and uh, my guides down in the Jackson Hole, Teton Valley, Idaho area have been working on the Henry's Fork, and then I'll get going here in Montana in the next couple weeks. Okay. Yeah. Well, Diana, you uh, have a title to defend uh, here immediately, don't you? Well, actually, I'm not defending this year. You're not defending? (laughs) No, I'm taking a break from tournaments this year. Okay. So uh, Holly's actually going on right now, uh, Uh and I'm actually thrilled to not be in it. Just to take a break from it. So I spent spent yesterday dolphin fishing. Oh, okay. Could you uh, give us a bit of a description of what... uh, your time is like uh, and how it differs from when you're working versus uh, when you're either off having fun or competing in tournaments? Well, having fun is, is much more enjoyable than working. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this year actually I've been spending quite a bit of time traveling. I was out in Australia for five weeks and uh, been to the Bahamas with Lorianne and Homosassa 
so I've sort of been been fishing other places this year. You know, I've spent a lot of time in the Keys, so it's kind of nice to fish different water, uh, meet different people. It's it's been a great year for me. Mm -hmm. I can hear a lot of sympathy pouring out from the audience about having to endure those uh, intense uh, situations in places like Isla Morada. <laughs> well, uh, for our audience, uh, now we, we know who our panel is and kind of how they got where they are. Uh, when we return, we'll be talking more with the panel about women in fly fishing, so stay tuned. The R.L. Winston Rod Company, one of the first fly rod manufacturers to recognize the significance of women in fly fishing, is the maker of the revolutionary new Boron 2X, the first and only fly rod that is delicate, powerful, and weighs up to one-third less than any others. Joan Salvato Wolf, a member of our technical team since 1996, caught a 125-pound tarpon on a Boron 2X 10 weight. She loves the Boron 2X rods and highly recommends the whole line from 3 weights to 12 weights. Visit www.winstonrods.com to learn more and locate your nearest authorized Winston dealer. Be sure to enter our Cast a Winston contest. Winston, uncompromising since 1929. You're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. We're talking with Pudge Kleinkoff, Lori Ann Murphy, and Diana Rudolph about women in fly fishing. And Roger will lead off with questions from the audience. Welcome, ladies, again. Um, we've got, to just kind of give you an overview, our questions came in different areas. It's kind of interesting. We, we had real basic questions, which shows that we've got some real beginning fly fishers out there that want to learn more about it or maybe waiting in the wings uh, or the shadow of their spouses thinking they might want to give it a try. And then we've got people that look like they want to get into this business, maybe do some guiding and so forth. So we've got kind of two areas, but we'll start out first with about learning about fly fishing. And feel free to jump in here uh, whenever you want to, to help me out with these questions. The first one that we've got up here is what's the best way for a beginner to learn about fly fishing? Go to a school. Okay. I think I think the things right now, and I I know that um, Diana and Pedro would agree. It's it you know when we got into fly fishing, there just weren't the schools, and so you know it was trial and error and trial and error, which is wonderful and it's a wonderful way to learn. But if you want to take the accelerated path, I think you know a lot of local shops have schools, two day schools. You can come to destination schools. But in, in just two days, I think beginner anglers, I know through our schools, you know, we stress it all the time. They're there. They think they're going to be the stupidest person in the class. They don't know anything. They haven't even been in the outdoors very much. And at the end of the second day, you know, they can cast, tie on their own fly, tie on their own leader, and have a sense of independence. I think that's huge. Absolutely. Well, I think also that uh, there's, a, there's a couple other ways that uh, I think uh, many beginners maybe are, as Laurie says, intimidated by, um, you know, a school and think they're the stupidest one there. And so, you know, a class may be a little intimidating for them, although it's much less so when that class is a women-only class. And I think women relax and feel like they can ask what they call, you know, dumb questions. And so, so I think, and there's lots of classes available if women go around, ask the local fishing shops uh, in their area, you know, get on the Internet, look for the Trout Unlimited and, and the Federation of Fly Fishers Clubs in their area that will offer classes. But there's two other 
ways, I think, that are really, uh, that women may overlook. There's now over 30 fly fishing clubs for women, specifically for women around the country. Mm. They're all offering clinics and classes and, you know, uh, beginner lessons, uh, things like that. Now, what many of them also offer is a mentoring program. So I always say to women, a great way to get started fly fishing is find a mentor, you know, somebody who already fly fishes and just sort of say, you know, can I go along? Would you show me? Would you take me, you know, for an afternoon sometime? Um, and, and just kind of so that they can take the plunge. Well, you mentioned the clubs, uh, Pudge, and on our website, at the bottom of any of our pages is the link to clubs. And we've uh, broken those out by states and countries, and we've indicated which ones are women's clubs so people can identify that. And I think that will be helpful. To we have the whole list of women's clubs on our website as well. Yep. Great. State by and state. What, and that's the uh, – go ahead and give that website address. It's www.womensflyfishing.net. So that will be a great resource for women to go to. One of the listeners says here, I feel like, and this, you've kind of related to this, but maybe you can extend on it. I feel like I'm all alone in Illinois as a single woman trying to learn to fly fish. I have checked out some local Trout Unlimited meetings, and everyone there seems like an expert. Where is the best place for a single woman in Illinois to go to learn to fly fish and not be in everyone's way? So this, this kind of uh, goes to what you said, Pudge, about trying to find a women's only, because it sounds like she's probably in a majority of a men's club there. Mm -hmm, I bet she is. And, and, that, and that, I guess, is intimidating for women. But you know what? A lot of the TU and FFF clubs are very open to women members, and, and, you know, they may exist in places where there aren't fly fishing clubs for women. And so what often I say to women, you know, that's part of how things got started here in Alaska, is women went to the Alaska fly fishers and said, how about having, like, an evening uh, welcoming, uh, you know, coffee and cookies an hour before the local, uh, the annual, or I mean the monthly meeting, and just invite women so they can come and meet other women and have somebody to sit with during the meeting. And, and you'd be surprised how receptive other clubs uh, have been to that idea. Mm -hmm. Is there a women's club in Illinois? I'm not sure. Yes, there is. Uh, I'm not sure if it's very active at the moment, though, uh, Laurie And There is one. We do have one listed. It's Chicago Women's uh, Angling Society, I think it's called. But okay. there is one in Chicago, and we do have it listed. Okay. Well, you know, uh, in some of the background work I did uh, before this show, uh, you mentioned that uh, the Trout Unlimited and Federation of Fly Fishers have been actively promoting women's involvement in fly fishing. And about, the, I guess it was the early 80s when Joan Wolfe and Fanny Krieger and Maggie Merriman and I believe Mrs. Whitlock uh, got involved at, at one of the Federation of Fly Fishers meetings and, and started the first real movement in women. But one of the things that I found in talking to them was that I suspect the thing that draws women into fly fishing differs a bit for women than for men. Could uh, some of you uh, talk about that a little bit? Diana? <laughs> well, you know, I think it, you know, I kind of grew up with it. So, you know, it was my father and sort of being outside, you know, I think a lot of people kind of, come into fly fishing later in life, you know, they're introduced from their boyfriends or their spouses. What I've been hearing, from, particularly I think as relates to women who come to fly fishing later in life, that it may be more about camaraderie and 
what some people have characterized as the artistry of fly fishing, that the fact that finesse and timing may be more important than muscles in fly casting, and, and some of those sorts of issues. I think it's been just a huge introduction. For women, I think it's an introduction to the outdoors. And, um, you know, I think that people have seen it. They've heard maybe their friends are fishing and and whatnot. And, oh, that's interesting. And and it's just, but you know, you can be any age. You can be in all different kinds of shape. And you can be a fanatic. You Or you can go out there and just enjoy it for, you know, the casting. And maybe you learn a little bit about the entomology or look at the birds and you know, so every I think it's a it's an opportunity to make it your own, and I think that that's what's also very attractive to women. It's a non-competitive deal if you just go out and make it your your own magic, and if you find a person, a mentor, a friend, or a pal that you can fish with, that's really great too. You know, and certainly the women's groups. I mean, that we see real women. There's just, I mean, we have lifelong friends all over the country that people have been bonded together, you know, in these groups, and so that that certainly happens. And a lot, and as that growth happens, people, you know, especially these women, women who are leading corporate lives or mothers, or they've raised their children and whatnot, and they're going, hey, I want to experience some fun. I want to do something, and and fly fishing has just opened so many doors for women that way that I mean, nobody, I don't think any of us knew this was going to happen in our lives you know we didn't grow up and go oh i'm going to be in fly fishing <laughs> yeah, someday i'm going to be a fly fisher but you know women are seeing other women and and it's and it's kind of uh that's helping uh to to let women know, you know, it, it's not a man's sport. Women can right. do it, and it's wonderful, and uh, you know, and it's a and it's a perfect sport for women. It doesn't take brute strength or anything else. So that's also encouraged a lot of women. And the other thing is, I remember, you know, I started guiding in '88, and um, I I remember there, you know, we didn't have waiters for women. I mean, right. boots. I mean, right. it was just really big, baggy, uncomfortable waiters, and. Maybe women would get stuck in the back of the boat, or if it was wade fishing, you know, okay, well, you know, maybe I'll cast. And in the last 10 years, there's been just a huge, huge revolution that's gone on. It's just been fantastic. And so, I mean, now all the companies are making clothing for women, which is wonderful, even rods, even, I mean, all different kinds of stuff. And so that's just, I think that's also helped. You just mentioned that. Of course, that all the, the manufacturers are getting through, making waders and so forth and boots and so forth for women. You just mentioned rods. What, how are rods being made differently for women? Well, some rod companies have decided, you know, like Joan Wolf is certainly with the Winston Company came out and, and had the um, nice grip for a smaller hand. Other companies have done the same thing, smaller grips. You can buy a rod with a smaller grip or... Um, you know, it just depends on your size and, and whatnot. It really doesn't make a difference between, you know, eight and a half for a five weight. There are 500 different kinds or a nine foot for a five or six weight. There, You just have to find what works for you, which is nice. And if you go to these big shows, everybody wants to show you around. You can cast these rods, embarrass yourself like we all have, and go out and, <laughs> and cast different rods and, and play around. I mean, everybody, the technology's changed so much, and you can spend $100 on an outfit or you could spend $700 on a, you know, rod and reel outfit and I just I but I think for women um, the smaller grip is one invitation that was certainly helpful. Mm-hmm. 
And, of course, rods have just uh, generally been getting lighter and lighter, so that, that benefits all of us. Yes, right. that's exactly. That's what I was going to add is that, you know, it isn't necessarily just a response to women entering uh, fly fishing as a consumer group, but more just the technology really advancing and developing much lighter and, and easier to cast rods for everyone. Yeah. Here's a, an entry here on, from the Internet. As a casting instructor, I have found that being female, casting directly over my head often does not feel as comfortable as just off-shoulder many of my female students. Now I'm wondering if this is really true. I know that Joan can cast in any plane, but what is your comfort zone cast? I typically cast a little bit to the side. You know, I think that's probably more from fishing, starting out in salt water, you know, and trying to keep a real tight loop. Um, that, to me, is most comfortable. But everybody, I think, is going to have their own comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think there is one comfort zone. And I think Diana hit it. You know, I mean, she's well, she fishes out here a lot too. But you know, in, in the salt, I think, and and definitely spending so much time in the salt, that's been a real beneficial cast for her. And we fish together, and I mean, it's a beautiful caster, and gets it out there. And I think, I think, it really depends. Your casting style is going to depend on what fish you're fishing to and um, the types of conditions. Well, I think if you, if you think about it a minute, I was, I, I was not, I mean, I was kind of wondering what the word comfortable really was meant to, to describe um, because many beginners, men or women, feel uncomfortable if they are, have at all a feeling that, you know, that the fly is going to hit them in the head somehow or hit them in the back of the head because if you think about it, really the, you know, the basic tasks that everyone learns are pretty much out out to the side and out, you know, and out beside us. There are certainly some specialty casts that are not, but, um, you know, so I don't know that that's any different, particularly for women than men, if the issue of comfort is the issue of, you know, am I going to get hit by a fly line or am I going to get hit by a fly? And uh, then I think uh, everyone is more comfortable with the, with, with the pretty general, typical, basic casts that are to the side, out to the side, or on the side, I should say, or beside us, not ready over our head. Okay. I would say the thing that I see, and Steve Rajev, who's the world champion caster, one time I think I was giving a demonstration and I had a real guide cast. I used to pick up my arm and really drive the rod in, and and um, and he's like, I can't stand it anymore, and he grabbed my right arm, and I always say I'm queen of the no pride club because I'm happy when people want to show me things, especially Steve, and he said, well, if you were going to punch somebody, Lorianne, he said, you know, you would, you would, you know, mid-level you wouldn't have your arm raised up and punch somebody you'd be weaker and i think just being able to keep your arm down if you want to cast to the side if you want to cast overhand whatever but just making sure that your shoulder stays stays low and hanging rather than creeping up and i notice when people come out fishing and they get real excited the first thing that happens is their arm starts creeping up and up and up and up and up and it, mm -hmm. it's definitely more fatiguing yeah. oh definitely yeah, yeah. Here's a question from um, a lady who's described as a small woman, 5 feet, 100 pounds, wondering about learning to fly cast and what equipment you might recommend for that beginning experience in fly casting. Well, let me start. Um, some of the research that I was doing uh, for my girl's book led me to ask some of the same kind of question as this woman is asking us um, about, you know, does does size matter? And my my first reaction is, those of you who know Joan Wolf, Joan Wolf is just about five feet tall. 
uh, maybe just barely, as I recall, about five feet tall. And certainly she can cast and proves that a woman, regardless of her size, can cast any rod and, and do it beautifully and well and, and in, certainly in competition better than anybody else. So, but I, I found that many people answered the question I was asking about, you know, what about younger people and, you know, who are, and, and many people said to me, oh, they thought that, uh, that anyone five feet and over should be casting a nine foot rod, just the standard like most other people. And that under, people under five feet, people, women and kids, uh, and even men perhaps, uh, who are less than five feet tall, uh, should go down to an eight and a half foot long rod. And, uh, you know, I've, I, I know that that's kind of the, or I think that's for many people sort of the standard, but, uh, so I, I guess my reaction is, my first reaction, as I say, was that, well, Joan Wolf isn't any taller than the woman who's asking this question, mm-hmm. um, and she certainly casts, you know, any rod. Um, but so I would say to this woman that I don't know so much that it's, the equipment is that she gets good instruction, as Laurieann said, I think with a class or a, or a school, uh, that helps her to, to understand the equipment and learn, you know, to, and learn to use it correctly. Okay. Pudgeon, you're not huge, and Diana's certainly a smaller woman, you know. I mean, Yeah, I think yeah. the fundamentals are the same regardless of what rod you're throwing. You know, whether it's a 3-weight or a 12-weight, mm-hmm. it's still it's the same fundamentals. You know, I think that maybe your, your stroke, and there's some different things that might change, but it's still the same basic fundamentals. So, yeah, I would say to this woman who's asking um, that uh, she should be probably perfectly comfortable casting a nine-foot rod. But if, if her particular and her personal choice is a shorter, an eight-and-a-half-foot rod, that's perfectly fine, too. So, uh, but I, I don't want her to feel like, you know, uh, what used to be the myth. I remember when I started in fly fishing, what was the myth was that, oh, women had to cast shorter rods. And women had women only could cast the, the light rods, the five weights and the four weights. And, and that's definitely not true anymore. We all know that. Probably the best thing to do is to uh, just go down to their local shop and, and try some out and see what works best. Right? Yeah, and buy something that's appropriate for what you're fishing for. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that's the most important thing. You can do disregard every, you know, what species are yeah, you going to go I mean, after? Is it bass, what, trout, salmon? <laughs> and then learn and then learn how to throw the rod. You know, whatever rod it is. If it's if you're fishing for bonefish, learn to throw an eight weight. You know, mm-hmm. I just that's just if if that's what you're going to use, then then that's what you should learn on. Dynamics of the cast and the and the equipment will go together and help them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And a, a, a woman should not feel intimidated about learning to cast a fly rod. That's that's the bottom line. That uh, everybody struggles with it to start, and uh, the better instruction you have, the more quickly you'll advance, probably. And it's fun. How about fly tying. I have some questions here about oh. learning to tie flies or what might be the best flies to begin tying with. I love fly tying, and and I and I demonstrate fly tying many places. And I was delighted to see that uh, women out there were interested in tying flies because some women think, oh, it's too crafty or, oh, you know, I don't want to just tie flies. You know, that means that I shouldn't fish or something of that nature. But, um, again, just like learning to fly fish, if you want to learn to tie flies, you should take a class. And, again, there are classes everywhere. Shops offer them. uh, TU and FFF clubs offer them. The women's fly fishing clubs offer them. So there's all sorts of places to learn. Now, one of the things I would 
advise is that it's pretty difficult to learn from a video or a book. But once you get some basic instruction, then the videos and the books are wonderful. Diana, um, I just got a message in here from Donna in Illinois. Says, this, this goes to our Illinois listener before that was looking for some support. I'm an active member of a club in Illinois called the DuPage River Fly Tires. I also oh. belong to the Fly Girls of Michigan. Check out the FFF website, that's uh, Federation Fly Fishers website, for links to both clubs. I'm one of the few women active in drift and would love to get more women active in this area. Hi, Diana, it's Donna. <laughs> so, <laughs> I do you know Donna. who that is? Well, I do know Donna. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's go back a sec, though, to the, the woman, who, or the, is it the same, maybe the same woman who was asking, well, what are the best flies she should learn to tie first? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I thought all three of us might want to give her a little mini list. Um, so I, on my mini list, I would say that four flies she should tie first that she could use most anywhere, maybe more limited in the salt, but pretty much anywhere in freshwater, would be a woolly bugger, a muddler minnow, an elk hair caddis, and a gold ribbed hare's ear. I knew that was coming. So there's my four. <laughs> there's my four. Hundred percent confidence flies. Yes, exactly, exactly. And, well, and not so hard to tie either. Right, no, they're very simple. The woolly bugger's wonderful, I know, and especially fun for children to, to tie as well because they can just add all kinds of different colors and all right. kinds of different. Right. Things. And they all work. <laughs> We all work. And, again, it just depends on, you know, if you're going to be fishing for trout or salmon, steelhead, bass, saltwater, you know, it just depends on what, where you're going to go. But, I mean, certainly for trout fishing, I would I would have to agree, you know, woolly bugger. I, I like a parachute Adams, elk hair caddis, you know, any of those, and a gold rib, hair's ear, copper john, prince nymphs, those those are 100% confidence flies, go-to flies, we call them. Mm -hmm, sure. And, um and fun to tie. Yeah, I think I think going, you know, I think it's, you know, it's the same thing with what type of rod are you going to throw. That's the type of fly, you know, fly or tie what you're going to be fishing with. Because I think that one of the best things you can do when you're learning to tie is to take your fly out and try to fish with it. Because you're going to learn a whole lot about sink rates. You're going to learn a whole lot about materials, how they move in the water, how to transmit, you know, any sort of action to the fly and that that's what fly tying is about i think you know well, it's, are, it's how that fly things. works in the water and you will learn a whole lot when you take your fly out and it doesn't swim right or it does you know things aren't happening the way they they should be that's that's how you learn to tie flies i think yeah. we need to take a break here uh, very briefly when we return we'll be talking more with the panel about women in fly fishing so stay tuned AST Advanced Shooting Technology is the most important development in fly fishing since the invention of modern fly line. Lefty Cray said that, and if anyone has seen it all, it's Lefty. And if any innovation has improved fly fishing, it's AST, Scientific Angler's revolutionary dry slick coating that produces slicker shooting, longer casts, higher flotation, and better durability. Look for AST in Scientific Angler's Mastery Series and Ultra 4 fly lines. Please remember, try an AST-formulated line just once, and no other fly line will ever do. Visit www.scientificanglers.com or call 800-430-5000. That's 800-430-5000 to find the nearest Mastery Series dealer. 
We're back. Uh, we're, we're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio, and we're talking with Pudge Kleinkoff, Lorianne Murphy, and Diana Rudolph about women in fly fishing. There's a, a question that came here that, it, this is from a male, obviously. This may sound odd, but how can I get my wife to overcome the fear of touching fish? She has gamely joined in to my love of fly fishing and is learning rapidly. She seems to enjoy it. However, this is a stumbling block for her. Any suggestions? Keep fishing. <laughs> I mean, I've seen that with so many of my clients that are couples, and, and I've been fishing with them for years, and I remember at the very beginning that happening to so many women. And I don't want to touch the fish, Lorianne. I, I like casting out there. I don't even care if I catch a fish. And um, that changes. As I think the more you get into fishing, I think that it, it just, it just, you just, it's a natural evolution. Yeah, I think so, too. And I would say to this fellow, um, women especially appreciate the beauty of the fish. Help her to just yeah, really see what a gorgeous creature this is. And, you know, in time, uh, she'll probably want to touch it just to kind of get this sense of some other, like, living living being. It's, it, it, it'll happen. It's a weird, twisted way, but it is a great connection. It'll happen. Yeah. Well, here's a follow-up one. <laughs> it's the opposite of us. How do I get my boyfriend into fly fishing without insulting his masculinity, etc.? <laughs> and that, and we have seen that. That was the sort of the flip thing of, of you know, when we got real women going, is we'd have women come in and say, you know, or call up and say, well, listen, I just really want to get my boyfriend or my husband or my father or my brother into this, and and then I just went, I can't believe we're hearing this. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the great news. That's just wonderful. And and I think it's the same thing for anybody just trying to get somebody in the sport. You know, put them in a non-threatening situation, make it a lot of fun, and, um, you know, no, no big score involved, and and uh, just see what happens. Well, you know, there's a, the joke in fly fishing goes that we've known for centuries that men shouldn't teach their wives how to drive, right. and that goes double for fly fishing. Well, maybe for this gal, the issue is now in the reverse. So uh, maybe she needs to get him a class uh, and not try to teach him, uh, and that might help their relationship immeasurably. I have heard a number of fly casting instructors and fly tying instructors indicate if they have a choice, their preference is for a female student. Agree? I've well, heard that too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are women easier to teach? I, I think, and I probably, Pudge, I think you've had a lot of this too. I think that a, a lot of people have, have tried to make, make you know, it, can you state a generalization, you know, are women easier to teach? I would say that, you know, <clears throat> it just really depends on a person's personality. But for the most part, women don't have a big agenda when they show up and they don't feel like they've already known how to fly fish or anything like that. So you might have a better listener. But I've had women who are just as wound up and and tough listeners so you know i i think for a lot of the guys that i work around and and whatnot they've always said that because it's just i think they like to teach women i think it's just really fun for them and so it's just i think uh, they have a receptive learner there and that's the that's the key thing mm -hmm. yeah i i agree and i and i certainly um i teach actually quite a lot of men uh, as well to, to fly fish and uh, i think it's the individual uh really more than more than anything, and then it's probably also the the uh, the connection that's made uh, communication-wise between whoever the instructor is and the student. 
Okay, sure. ladies, I'd like to, because we're, we, boy, we're eating up the clock here. I can't believe it already. But um, <laughs> I'd like to move into um, uh, the area of guiding um, and the professional aspect of, of your business, because I think we've got a lot of people out there that are interested in yeah, maybe getting involved. What professional, just in general, what professional opportunities are out there and available for women in the fly fishing business? First of all, women are an asset to any, I mean, I can't tell you how many calls I get from all over the country, lodges, outfitting businesses. Lorianne, do you know of any women who want to get into guiding? Do you know any women who are available this summer? Um, I think women are a real asset to an operation because we just see this whole growth of women, women coming into fly fishing, as well as other sports, surfing and bike riding and horseback riding, that kind of thing that certainly a fly fishing and and I think uh you know so there are opportunities all over the place and and if you want to get into guiding there are guide schools now and believe me we talked about that how there weren't even schools and now the fact that there are even guide schools out there what goes on and I just know firsthand from from our guide schools and when we teach women how to teach other people how to cat women this is particularly for women and how to cast and how to row boats and that kind of thing. They're just unleashed. I mean, after this last group, I mean, we had four women that just quitting their jobs, changing their lives, going and working for other lodges. And I think there's room for everybody, and there's just a ton of support out there. And especially if you're intimate with your home waters and you really want to share something, you, you probably have a lot to share. Well, I, I'm interested, if maybe from Diana's point of view, because I see a lot of other opportunities, not just in guiding, but in uh, in uh, people working and ultimately owning fly shops it, as manufacturers' reps, you know, j- just in, in other sort of aspects uh, of the whole fly fishing industry. What, what would you think, Diana? You probably see that from a little different perspective maybe than Marianne and I do. No, I, I definitely think that's true. I think that... Um being a woman is an asset. I think that shops are looking for women. I think, I mean, I think it's a great time for women in the sport in terms of, you know, you can always work for a shop, own a shop. There's, there are quite a few opportunities. Tying, you know, I have friends that, that tie commercially. That You know, I think that there's, whatever's out there for men is out there for women. People appreciate women in the sport. You know, at mm-hmm. least everybody I've run into is very, very supportive to to what they're doing. You know, yeah, I would I would say that. I mean, I remember when we when you start a company called Real Women in in the Jackson Hole area. I mean, I just if it weren't for you know the men guides in the area totally supporting us. I mean, first of all, you know, go go through a checkout phase for sure, but. Then, you know, everybody in the community completely supporting us. That's really there, absolutely. And um, I think also I see women want to share. It's just a natural teaching thing that goes on. And, you know, you want to share, you want to teach, you want to, you want to get out there. If you're camp counselor kind of mode, it's certainly, certainly an arena for that. But there's just room everywhere to start your own. And I agree with Diana that, you know, it's just wide open right now. Well, Lorianne, I would I would agree. I mean, I think you said two things that are important, probably to the women who are who are thinking in this kind of mode. One is you 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 can't uh, get.
get along on your looks. I mean, you 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 know, it, you've got to know what you're doing. You've got to you've got to you've got to put in your time. You've got to learn. You've got to you know, you've got to learn. Uh, I think, like Diana said, you know, uh, uh, home waters that you become very very good at 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 knowing and reading and knowing how to fish. So, you know, it isn't this that you walk in and say, this is what I want to do, but like any profession, you, you get started and you build credentials and you may work for someone else or, again, find a mentor perhaps uh, or go to work for a lodge and learn and then uh, in time you develop that knowledge and skills on your own that you can put into uh, hopefully going into business for yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and in no way, and I really, this is a big warning that I do say to women, in no way, if you have an attitude out there, well, you know, I'm a woman and I'm special, that's not going to work. <laughs> it's, it's really, I'm a woman and I'm a team player, and being humble, I think, is, is a really good thing because you learn. I mean, I'm always learning every day from everybody yep. else, and it's so important. But if you go out with an attitude of, ta-da, I'm here. Yeah. Uh, I think you're going to set yourself up for trouble. Well, women need to do their homework as well mm-hmm. because I remembered way, way, way back what, what some of the more difficult things for me at the beginning were that whole issue of what kind of, where do I have to get permits and why can't I just go, you know, fish and take people where I want and, uh, you know, what else is, all this, all this permit business and, of course, up in Alaska, we've got all this federal land and so, you know, you go, you go five miles down the stream and you may be, you know, you may be on federal land, which requires a different kind of permits, but I think the business end of guiding was um, the, the liability insurance. You'd be amazed at how many people have no concept that, yeah, you've got to go out and get liability insurance coverage. You know, you've got to get permits for the, the places that you want to guide. You know, it isn't just can you cast, uh, you know, do you know the water, do you know some flies. There's a whole lot of other stuff to it as well. Absolutely, yeah. I remember when we had a conference uh, way back in Vermont with the International Women's Fly mm-hmm. Fishers and and I think we had a panel pudge and we did. there were all these all these women from all over the country and for example I think you know right now the average guided day for fly fishing in the west is $400 a day Whoa. Um, and so that so that includes everything you know that includes the lunch instruction all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and then I remember at the time I think it was 300 this was like 8 years ago or something like that things have gone up and and I remember talking to women guides in the southeast and the east, and they said, oh, well, you know, all, there's guided fishing, and then there's guided fishing with instruction. And that was a different fee scale. And I thought, wow, you know, and I was just in my little west world, mm-hmm. the world of the west, and it was really interesting for me to learn about how just all different parts of the country operate different. In the state of Maine, you have to be a licensed yes. guide in the yes. state of Maine. It's a big test in montana you take a test and every in wyoming it's wide open you could do whatever you want <laughs> yeah see, and that's i think the thing that that people because it, it 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 seems wonderful and it does have the wonderful teaching aspect and and you know it it is it is a very appealing way to to do what you love and be outdoors all day and uh but boy believe me you're not necessarily outdoors all day because somebody's got to take care of the permits, the licenses, the um, the the, the uh, yeah the, the details, the um, you know the taxes, the state taxes, the, uh, the all of that kind of stuff. So you know it isn't it isn't just as simple as you know just going out there and now saying I'm a guide and uh, you know 
sort of hanging out your shingle and, uh, you know, do the, if we offer it, hopefully they will come. Um, because you can get in trouble fast by not being licensed, not being permitted, uh, you know, not, not paying the fees, all of that kind of stuff. And I think guiding it as a rule has just changed so much in the last 10, 20 years for sure. I mean, 20 years ago, you know, it wasn't uncommon to, you know, go meet a guide out in the West here and, you know, you'd have a beer can open by 9 o'clock and, you know, he has cigars and maybe his dogs and the boat was trashed and the, and the car was trashed and, uh, you know, it was just part of, oh, well, this is what we do. We're going fishing and this is the, what we, and now it's not that way at all. There's a real level of professionalism that goes on and I think people take great pride in that. And I think also it's, I mean, Laurieann, you touched on this earlier, is that, you know, the decision to become a guide, I mean, is a is a big one because here you are taking something that you are very passionate about and you love, and you're turning it into your job. That's right. You know? and, 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 and guiding that's, is not your own fishing. It's a very different thing. Right. right. And that's something that I'm struggling with, kind of now. You know, I'm I'm kind of making the decision that I'm going to guide out west, but that's something I've been struggling with for a while. And it is. And it is a big it is a big decision because. And especially in our guide schools, I talk about that. I'm like, you know, this is this is not you. It's not you mm-hmm. wanting to go out and catch a whole bunch of fish. This is about you teaching somebody how to enjoy a day fly fishing. Very right. different than your own fishing. Definitely. Right. No guide makes it as a guide if they are not what I call client-oriented. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're there for the person that you're guiding. That's the whole reason for the, the fact that the two of you are together. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Well, if, if a woman wants to pursue becoming a guide, obviously Laurieann can give us some insight on going to a school and what that might be like, so maybe you can do that. But I'd also like to know, hey, if, if, there's, a, if there's no opportunity to go to a school, what's the best method to, you know, to get involved and, and learn how to become a guide? Remember the old word we used to use called apprenticeship? I was just going to say that. Apprenticeship is still, still out there, still a wonderful way, still, uh, is, is, a, is, is one of probably the best ways. Um, and a lot of people who go to a school still apprentice themselves, I would think, don't they, Laurieann? Absolutely. I, mean, I know certainly several who have. You know, this woman who, who left the school, she was going right back out, and there was this guy in Oregon, and he's been guiding, and he said, I'd be happy to, you know, have you work with me and learn the ropes and whatnot. And I thought, oh, my God, you just can't get a better opportunity. That's, that's, right. that's all there is to it. And and that usually comes from, you know, somebody you respect. And then, you know, you go, okay, mm-hmm. and you just, the more you do it, it, it kind of unfolds. Given the practical issues that you've raised uh, that might be covered in a school uh, or under an apprenticeship, Here's a question from Teresa out in California, and she says hello to Pudge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hi, Teresa. Teresa is starting her own guide business, and she wonders what uh, each of you did that was the most helpful or most important thing in beginning to build a client base. Don't all speak at once. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want well, to give up their I, secrets. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's a secret. I think what happens is, you know, you enjoy each other's company. And I, my clientele now, or they're my dearest friends. I mean, I've been guiding them for a long time. And, you know, you just share all kinds of things, births, deaths, you know, all kinds of rite of passages. Things go on over the years. And I think when you just, it's like a fishing partner. When you click, people enjoyed the day. They say, I want to come back next year. That's how it happens. And 
word of mouth for your reputation. Mm -hmm. It's much better to have other people on the river saying, you know, boy, she knows what she's doing, than you running around telling everybody that you know what you're doing. That's another great way to kind of gain respect, I think. And um, just, but I think your clientele comes from just chemistry and um, you know appreciating spending the day with somebody. Well, I I would add, I know at the beginning I really worked hard to develop a mailing list mm -hmm. so that I had a way to get in touch with women who might not otherwise know me. But certainly, as Laurieann says, a lot of my clients as well are are strictly our word of mouth now are repeat clients. Uh, but in the beginning, I think, which is what Teresa is asking, you know, when we didn't have as much of that maybe as we do now, kind of, you know, how, how do you build a, a client base? And so, you know, this in these day and age, we have the Internet as well, which we didn't have, you know, at the beginning, at least at the beginning for me. And um, so I, I think that the Internet uh, gives gives a new guide a real opportunity that maybe some of us who've been around a lot longer uh, didn't have at the beginning. But I just, I got names of, of women who bought fishing licenses. I got, um, I started gathering names every time I, you know, would give a presentation or, you know, from from women who, you know, I would ask women who are on the list if they would be willing to contact like three other women who would like to be on the list. I mean, things like that. I just tried to sit and, 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 and brainstorm, you know, ways to begin to develop a mailing list so that, you know, I could get in touch with, with uh, people by, by uh, mail. Media, too, don't you think, you guys? I mean, it's like, I think, you know, when you have a local newspaper write a story, and Diane, I know this has gone on with you, too, and Isla Murata, it's like they'll write a story, and then somebody will read the story, and then they'll find out mm -hmm. how to get a hold of you, and I think mm -hmm. that's another way. Mm -hmm. Or uh, just, yeah, just a local fly shop. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, our shop, we've got a lot of guides who are just getting started who are very, very good guides, and they, you know, we hook them up with, with somebody, and... and they're lifelong customers. You know, right. I think, you know, initially a, a fly shop can really, really develop a client base. You know, I agree, Diana, too, because that's also a place where most guides get their information to the public. And and I remember, boy, I at, way at the beginning, I the brochure, uh, the development of a really first-class brochure that attracts people's attention, that, you know, is, is professionally done. Uh, it, that's sort of your image uh, in, in the community and, and with people. And so whether, you know, you uh, do a mailing list so you can mail it or whether uh, – or and, and you also put it in a fly shop and, you know, get it out to people um, other ways. So it isn't just word of mouth. You have a kind of a professional product that you can – can send people to display uh, that, that uh, gets you known as well. Oh, absolutely. My sister's oh. my graphic designer. I went fishing with her today, and she's drummed that in my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A little trade-out going on there, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Graphics for fishing. Huh? Yeah, it was just going back and forth. <laughs> well, we need to take a little break again here, but when we return, we'll be fielding the live questions by phone and through the Internet. This portion of our show is brought to you by Jacqueline's Fly Shop in West Yellowstone, Montana. World-renowned angler Bob Jacqueline has served Yellowstone National Park and the surrounding area for 37 years. His complete full-service fly shop and guide service provide the best the area has to offer. Browse their website, www.jacklinsflyshop.com, or stop in at the shop. It's worth the trip alone to visit with Fly Fishing Hall of Famer and certified master fly casting instructor Bob Jacklin. 
The website is www.jacklinsflyshop.com or call 406-646-7336. That's 406-646-7336. Well, it's time for our live question and answer session. And during this time, you'll be able to ask questions over the Internet or on our telephone conference uh, line. If you're listening to our Internet broadcast and like to ask a question, uh, of our women's panel, just go to our homepage, www.askaboutflyfishing.com, and click on the link below the description of this show that says, click here to ask the ladies your most important <coughs> question. Just fill out the form and send us your question, then we'll receive it online here. Uh, and uh, if you want to call in by phone, which I highly encourage you folks to do, uh, and talk to the ladies directly, dial 712-580-6300, 712-580-6300. And the passcode is 511739-POUND. Again, 712-580-6300. The passcode is 511739-POUND. Don, can you check to see if there's any phone callers out there? All right. Yep. Do we have anybody out there? Do we have anybody, anybody on, the phone? on the phone? Yes, okay. I am. Good. Who is this? This is Karen Stokes, and I'm in Dayton, Ohio. Great. Who's your question for? Oh, I actually don't have a question. I'm just kind of listening. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, 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 hi, Karen. <laughs> hi. I'm just, I'm just highly encouraged uh, by you women. Um, I'm in a club that is primarily for the last several years been all men, and I'm delighted to know that there's so many women out there that are fishing. In fact, uh, in a the 17th of this month, I was going to be trying to have uh, a women's fly fishing seminar here in Dayton, just trying to get other women more comfortable in fly fishing because it does seem like a lot of them are intimidated by it. Well, Karen, I was thinking, this is Pudge, I was thinking that you probably are the perfect person to help get a, a women's club in Dayton, Ohio started. I mean, somebody has to do it, right? So how about you? <laughs> well, you are correct. Um, I've got another girlfriend and several others that we are starting now to get more women into the club, and um, that has been talked about. Well, if you guys form a club, uh, uh, drop me an email, and we'll get your club listed on our club page. Oh, that sounds great. Thank you. You're welcome. Good luck. Thank you very much. Do we have anybody else on the phone line? Okay. We'll go back to the emails here briefly. Um, I do have a question here uh, that sort of refers to guiding, and that is, what does one ask when picking out a guide in advance for a trip uh, to assure that they'll get the best experience uh, during their fly fishing uh, adventure? Well, I would at, at, at first I would just say what you what, what your expectations are for the day. If you're going to just go for a day, if you're going to go for you know a whole week, and what you'd like to get out of it, I you know I want to learn. You know, I'd like to um, you know if we're going to go trout fishing and just you know what does the day include? I mean, does it include lunch? I have allergies to this kind of. You know, the more information you can provide the outfitter, the better experience you're going to have. And um, I think now you know there's just a ton of things. Of great guides. Now the FFF has a guides association listing, and they're certainly that's a great avenue. Um, I know also the Orvis catalog has Orvis endorsed programs. That's another great avenue. The fly fishing clubs, you know, whatnot. But I think when you call to book up, you know, a trip. Let's say you're going to come 
up here to Montana, you're going to go to Jackson Hole, you know, you're going to say, okay, what's the day going to be like? And have them describe the day and then match that to your objectives. I talked to a friend recently who was newlywed and went with his, fiance, or his, no, his bride at that point down on, on their honeymoon to the Keys. And um, they hired a guide, and I guess the guide wasn't, you know, it was kind of pick them out of the phone book kind of thing. Uh, he, he, <laughs> I guess he told the guide that he would be coming down, that he was experienced, but his wife uh, was not and would need fly casting instruction and so forth when they were out on the water. They ended up getting a guide that didn't know how to fly fish. Oh, <laughs> they, dear. They didn't find that out until they were out on the boat. And I was going to say, that was, that was the first question they should have asked. They Maybe didn't no, call Florida Keys no. Outfitters. No, 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 it wasn't Florida Keys Outfitters. But, <laughs> no, uh, but I guess that's, that's something to keep in mind is, Full disclosure on, on your end to say, hey, I don't know how to fish. I need to be shown, and I'm fly fishing, and here's what I want out of the day. So, like you said, too, I, I can't remember if it was Lorianne or Diana saying that, well, some people just guide and some people instruct and guide. Mm -hmm. and that's a question you need to ask. Well, and let me ask something else, or add something else for women. Women need to ask, what do I do when I have to go to the bathroom? Now, a lot of women are embarrassed to ask that question, but it's a reality of the day. I mean, uh, are there places we stop? Uh, do I just go to the woods and need to take a Ziploc bag, you know, with some TP in it? Or uh, is there a, you know, a little, um, little uh, mini potty on the boat? Uh, women always, uh, and then they'll tell me that they don't drink water for 24 hours before they go because they're scared to death that they'll have to go to the bathroom and they don't know how and they don't know um, how to ask or say that they have to go to the bathroom. You know, that seems so fundamental, but uh, you'd be surprised. Women women tell me that all the time, that that was a, the biggest problem of the whole day, and so then they sort of make themselves sick or headachey because they aren't drinking any water uh, because they're afraid they have to go to the bathroom. So... I would say to women, ask that question. Be brave. Say that, too. Get that cleared up right away. Yep. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, I think the, the questioner uh, from my uh, question really probably was uh, providing some reflection on those horror stories that we all hear about, and perhaps Diana could uh, give us a little insight. I, I think I've heard that saltwater guides may be pretty intimidating in terms of their expectations of, of an angler's fly casting ability. If they can't deliver the fly sufficient distance, sufficiently quickly, and sufficiently accurately, uh, they're being browbeaten. Is that fair to say of uh, saltwater guides or guides in general? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that the, the, key, the key certainly had that reputation for a while of having, uh, you know, fairly harsh guides, but but really, it's, it's it, I think it's the same anywhere. You really have to, to do your research, and I think Lorianne hit it when she said, you know, just tell, tell the guide your expectations, what, you, what, you, what you're looking to get out of the trip. You know, if you if you're really want to learn how to cast, you know, just tell them. I'm not so worried about catching fish. I really want to improve my casting or, or this. Or, you know, hey, I don't want to catch a 110-pound tarpon. Maybe we can just go... Try to find some small ones, you know. I mean, really, if you're upfront with the guide, I think, I think they know what to expect going into it, and and you know, I think the guides feel a lot of pressure too, and I think that's why, you know, you hear horror stories, but you know, they want to produce for people just as much as as you know, the people want to catch fish. I think, 
you know, I think they get excited, and I think, um, you know, I think salt water especially is, is, can be somewhat demanding, um, you know, but I, I don't think that it's, that it's necessarily just, just bad guides. I think, uh, you know, I think you just need to be up front with what you're looking, what you, you know, what you want out of the trip. Well, and Diane, if I can add to that, in Alaska, uh, we hear a lot about the, well, I didn't know I was only going to stay out for one tide cycle, or, oh, I didn't understand that this was only a half-a-day trip. And I'm always surprised at the number of people who don't ask, well, how long will, be on, will we be on the river, or how long will, be, will we be in the boat? Now, when are we leaving, and when can I expect to be back? Um, because then, when people do that, then they don't get surprised by suddenly the guide says, "Oh no, this was only a half-day trip, and now it's noon, and they're and they're going, you know, going back to the to the boat launch." And and uh, and and people are just amazed that, "Oh, I thought I was going to be out here all day." So I think that that is worth asking as well. Yeah, educate yourself. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. if, you know, if you, if you want to if you want to come to the Keys, you know, to catch tarpon you know figure out when when that time is you know and then and then proceed from there you know don't don't necessarily rely on your guide you know or or just somebody you grab out of a phone book and be persistent you know? <clears throat> and i think the reason you know diana i think the reason why you're such a mentor to so many women especially now is because you are in the salt you have accomplished yourself in the salt water and I, you know, we all know, we've all heard those horror stories of everyone's gone down to the Keys or whatnot and they've been barked off the boat and I know grown men who won't ever return to the salt because they've been, they've just said, I'm not going to pay all that money and be insulted all day long. Mm -hmm. And we know it's real. It's, it's happened forever and ever and there has been that. And so, you know, my gosh, if it's that intimidating to so many of the guys, of course it's going to be intimidating to women. And I think, you know, for once, I mean, you've just stayed in there and plugged away and, made it really attainable. Well, and you know, thankfully there now are starting to be some women saltwater guides uh, yeah. in various places around the country, mm -hmm. and I think that's a real great step forward, too. Yeah. Let me check the phone lines here real quick and see if we have any callers. Anybody on the line for a question for the panel? Okay. Um, that's good, because I had a lot of guys from around here say they were going to call me. <laughs> 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 we had a lot of emails. Uh, yeah, and a couple of people said, I'm going to call and give you a hard time. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's right. Oh, no, that's what I was most worried about this whole thing. Sure. I want to throw in some, some compliments we got here. This one, it says, Lorianne, you were our guide several years ago. I was with Albert League, Board of Directors, Pasadena Fly Fishing Club. You were wonderful. Your style was refreshing from smoothly rowing against currents to teaching me the reach cast. You have a touch for the sport and a way with people. You showed this dude the fine art of fly fishing with the heart versus muscle. Rudy Brown, Valencia, California. Oh, thank you, Rudy. So, uh, yeah, you've got some fans. And Diana, it says, uh, hi, Diana, I don't have a question. I just want to thank you again for the guidance on the peacock bass fishing last November. That was so much fun and something I never expected when I came to the Keys to fish. It was fun listening to you tell about it and then experiencing it for myself. Yeah, I know so who that, that is. <laughs> that opens up a, another area then, Diana. Uh, it's not only salt water down there. Uh, you've got a lot of freshwater fishing as well, right? Yes, we do. Yeah, there's there's bass fishing. There's Yeah, Florida's got a pretty diverse 
fishing. There's bass fishing, and then there's bass fishing. <laughs> yeah, Lori well, I I I knows more about the bass fishing than I do. <laughs> She's definitely <laughs> dialed in on that. Let her know about that. Right. <laughs> I just got that. another another uh, one on email here, uh, or through our online service, and it says, uh, this is off, we're jumping around here, but that's okay. Considering women tend to be smaller, not as strong as men, when wading streams, what safety considerations can you pass on that are specific to women? Well, I'll start on that one. Um, okay. First of all, women have to remember that our center of gravity is not in the same place as a man's. A man's center of gravity is in his shoulders, and ours is in our butt. And so when you're wading in the water, the, the water is going to act upon your body in a very different way than it does, than it acts upon a man's. So I always tell my clients that you kind of trust your gut instincts to start with. And when, you know, your gut kind of says, I don't think maybe I better go there. That doesn't feel very safe. Well, don't go there. Um, the other thing is always, 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 always wear a wading stick. And I was one of those stubborn people that way early in my fly fishing career, I'm embarrassed to say, I didn't think I needed a wading stick, and I thought I could wade pretty well. And, uh, boy, then a couple of trips down the river taught me differently. A couple of trips, you know, in the water down the river taught me that maybe I better get a, a wading stick. You'd be surprised. It doesn't make you invincible. I mean, don't don't make you. I don't want any women to think that it turns you into like the person driving the four-wheel drive vehicle that thinks now that they're invincible and they can go anywhere. Uh, that's not true. So, but a wading stick will give you some stability, and it will also give you a way to probe the water in front of you and around you to get a better sense of depth and flow and and that sort of thing. So, just women need to remember that that men really can wade some places where we can't for a couple of different reasons. So uh, just be careful. Remember, there's more river you can go to to wade somewhere else and uh, wear both a wading belt always and uh, have a wading stick. And at the risk of doing a little mini commercial, um, the collapsible wading sticks made by Full Staff, F-O-L-S-T-A-F, I think are the best on the market. And by the way, it's a woman-owned company. Aha. There you go. Aha. That's right. Oh, no. And you Do don't probably need to wait deep to find the fish. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's the other thing. You know, I mean, everybody goes running out to the middle of the river, and a lot of times the fish are right there, and you've already That's walked right. on them. <laughs> That's right. You just walked through them and spooked them all. Mm -hmm. yep. Yep. You all make that mistake, I think. That's probably the most common mistake out there. Um, can we jump just to a, a to, um, competition aspect of things since... Diana has been involved in that. So is Lorianne and, and Patrick. You have two. Yep, uh, I have two. Okay. Um, we talked about your tournament competition, Diana. If a person wants to get involved in that aspect, more competitive type fishing, what's involved in that? How do you prepare for that? Sounds like it might be a lot of work. Um, it's no, it's not too much work. Um, you know, I I think that it's uh, you definitely have to be very focused. Um, and kind of in that frame of mind because it is, it's a different type of fishing. You know, you're definitely, um, you know, it's it's competing in a game as opposed to a scrimmage. You know, you you really, it kind of brings you up on another level, I think, um, and you really do focus on your on what you're doing much more intensely than. I mean, I'm a pretty focused fisherman anyway, but it's it's kind of a different level. Um, I think that um, a lot of it kind of depends on on the tournaments you do as well. I mean, we have a lot of women's only tournaments down here. We have a bonefish and, and a tarpon tournament. 
that are actually very, very enjoyable, much more laid back than some of the, the male-dominated tournaments. So it's really kind of what you want to get out of, of, of the tournament and how competitive you are, really. And I think um, I remember when you know I was in the ESPN games and that kind of thing. And I think it's just we talked about your own fishing. We talked about how guiding is different than your own fishing. And when you go into a tournament, I think it's a whole. It's a, just a whole other. It's a whole other game. And it's. I mean, if you have TV cameras around or if you have announcers around and all that kind of thing. And like Diana said, you know, and and when Diana and I've talked about this before when we've been out fishing and. You know, you just even if you're not focused, you have to talk yourself back into getting back into being focused, and and it's certainly not your own fishing. That's the most that's the jewel of the crown, your own fishing. And when you go play out in other in other tournaments and events, you're around crowds and you're testing your nerves. You're testing mm-hmm. your whole you Absolutely, know yep. out there, yeah. and you know it, uh, that's what it's about. Yeah, it's more stressful. I think clearly a tournament is more stressful. I mean, you have this, you feel this pressure to somehow be good enough and, and perform. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it isn't even necessarily about winning. It's just, uh, you're, you're a little more under you the microscope. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't, you want to, you want to do your best. Right. Well, Don I mean, and I we're all our own worst enemies. <laughs> you bet we are. <laughs> Don and I just uh, did, what, 16 interviews uh, this past weekend on the fly fishing competition up in Boulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and boy, did we see some intensity there. And there was, yes. there was males and females. We had a all-woman's all team up there competing. And boy, I've never seen such intensity. But you know what? One of the key key things that came out of that is everybody we talked to felt that they learned so much after coming out there. And we're talking, you know, well, you best fly fishers in the world here almost. And I think that's a really good point. Yeah. I think when you when you do enter, I mean, tournaments and whatnot, you, you do learn. I mean, you learn from your, the you know, your competitors and you learn from yourself. And, I mean, it's just an intense learning experience. I think it's what you go into it with. Um, you know, I haven't done probably as many tournaments as Diana, but I know that the ones I have done, I'm not terribly competitive and so I've just always felt like it's more for a new experience and something interesting and exciting and you know let's see what this is all about and and uh, you're right and and there's just an incredible amount to learn and so um, you know if you're you're if you're just born to 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 try to win and that's you know that's the only thing that you're there for as far as I'm concerned that takes the fun out of you know what to me is just maybe a great and interesting new fishing experience yeah, I think you you actually also learn to fish in, in different situations. You know, uh-huh. you're you're fishing in sometimes you're fishing in horrible weather, and and you learn different techniques. You know, uh, on how to catch fish in just bad weather. You know, maybe you learn how to read water a little bit better because you have no visibility. You know, maybe you're reading the surface as opposed to looking into the water. So I think that there's some things that you know you definitely take away from from it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I know in the casting competitions like the ISE Best of the West, we started out and there were Wendy Gunn and I. We just always would compete against one another. You know, we just do it for fun, and now it's grown into a big thing. You know, and now there are a lot of women casting out there. And and for me, that was great because you'd go in before the show started, and it'd be the middle of winter, and you know, but there you could be casting indoors on a casting pond and. You know, you're trying to cast 100 feet, which you would never do with a five weight in a fishing condition, but you're trying new <laughs> techniques in casting, 
And so you have the greats. You have Lefty Cray. You have Tim Ray Jeff, Steve Ray Jeff. You have Jerry Seam. You have all these people that are just there available saying, hey, why don't you try this or why don't you try this or why don't you try that? And um, and Joan Wolf. I mean, you just soak it all up. And so, I mean, that's, it was a huge learning curve for me and just being able to be, you know, around everybody and say, hey, okay, I'll try this. And Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. It's just when you do do the tournaments or you you, do, you see people that, you know, maybe you only see once or twice a year. Exactly. Um, and, it, you know, that to me is a huge part of the sport, just the the relationships that I've made with people and, and what they've taught me. And so you look forward to that. You know, you, the same group of guys that do this or the same group of gals that do this, and, and every year you see them, and, and that's that's pretty special. Well, I think one of the other things about tournaments is that several of them now are becoming more fundraisers for kind of major nonprofits like yeah, well, you know the children's hospital and casting for recovery yeah. and and Thank that's you. what I think then really the tournaments you know rather than the thousand dollar prize or whatever that to me that's what would make the the tournaments both fun but competitive on a little lower level but it's the idea that we're out there fishing to help maybe kids with cancer or something. And, and I really hope that maybe that's kind of some of the future, at least, of tournaments. Well, unfortunately, everyone, it's time to wrap things up for this show. But when we return, we're going to be doing a drawing for two of Pudge Kleinkoff's books, Fly Fishing Women Explore Alaska. So stay tuned to see if you win. This segment of our show is brought to you by the North Platte River Fly Shop in Casper, Wyoming. They have a first-class website covering all aspects of fly fishing in the tailwaters of the North Platte River, including up-to-date local fishing reports, fly patterns, guide services, and online shopping for top-of-the-line gear for any travel destination. The North Platte River Fly Shop provides a professional guide staff for the Blue Ribbon Trophy Gray Reef and Miracle Mile sections of the North Platte River. Visit their website at www.yotrout.com, that's wyotrout.com, or call the North Platte River Fly Shop at 1-307-237-5997. Again, 307-237-5997. Okay, just a quick reminder to everyone, before you leave the website tonight, please take a minute and give us your feedback about the show. And you can do that by going to our homepage, and you find a link in just under the description of tonight's show that says, what do you think of this show? And just click there, fill out the form, and send us your comments. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Now it's time to give away Pudge's books, Fly Fishing Women Explore Alaska. And in case you're wondering how we do do this, we just press a button, and names are randomly selected from the registrations that came in for tonight's show. So if you didn't register for tonight, you're out now. It's too late. But come next show, be sure you get registered so you can be part of the drawing. If you're the lucky winner tonight, we'll contact you after the show and provide you with some information on how to receive your gifts. So here it goes. Uh, the first winner is Kitty O'Neill in Michigan. So Yay, Kitty, Kitty O'Neill. Oh, great, Kitty. So congratulations, Kitty. I'm sure you're going to love Pudge's book. And uh, let me go for book number two. And pick a winner. And Cindy Knudsen in Washington State. So, Cindy. Oh, good, Cindy. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. So, so we obviously have some ladies listening tonight. Good. <laughs> so we had two ladies winning. So sorry, guys. That's it. So we're we're done. Congratulations, everybody. And why don't you just go ahead and thank everybody there, Don? 
Pudge and Lorianne and Diana, we very much appreciate your being with us tonight and taking time to teach us more about this wonderful world of fly fishing. And we hope that sometime in the future we can get you either collectively or individually to join us again. Well, thanks very much. It was wonderful. Thanks. Thank you. For, thanks. It was really great. I'm glad we made it off the river in time. <laughs> <laughs> and through the storm. Well, that, that, that might have been a valid excuse, Lorianne. I know, I know. I thought, well, if anybody could ex- understand this. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, our next broadcast will be on June 21st at 7 p.m., and this show will be interviewing Bob Jacklin, an icon in the fly fishing industry, and Bob will be answering questions on fly fishing the salmon fly hatch on the Madison River in Montana. And that, that, that should be going on right about while we're talking, I think. It'll, it's a little late. It'll, it'll be on the lower Madison. It just started yesterday, but on the upper Madison, it'll be a little late. But Bob's the guy. It'll be, that'll be a wonderful show. But it is going to be an exciting show, so don't miss it. We'd like to thank 3M Scientific Anglers and R.L. Winston Rod Company for sponsoring our show tonight. Don't forget to visit our website, askaboutflyfishing.com. Make sure you sign up to receive our announcements so you don't miss out on any of these future broadcasts. And feel free to explore the other areas of our site, such as the events calendar and the directories. Thanks for listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio, and we hope you all enjoyed the show. That's it. Good night, everyone, and good fishing. Good fishing. Bye, everybody. Good night. Good night.